Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. How are y'all? Doing good? <laughs> Man, it's raining cats and dogs out there. I heard that's what they say is March flower, March showers bring March shower flowers, right? Something like that. Anyway, I can make up what I want, can't I? It's my story. Like if someone don't like it, tough. So I actually have a few notes. Not scary. (laughs) So um, let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Thank you for being so kind and gracious to us and just loving us, Father. I thank you that this is the day that you have made, and I will rejoice in it, Father God, and I will rejoice in you today, Father. I thank you. Because I'm alive and we're alive and not just alive and breathing, but we're alive inside and we have a hope and a future. And I praise you for that, Father, and I give you the honor. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning in Jesus name. Amen. So you guys are awesome. I love you guys. I love this church and I, I love every one of you, you guys are are just so great and I'm so thankful to be able to be a part of this. And so just so you guys know. I've been really um <clears throat> we've been in Genesis the first, you know, from like chapter twelve to fifteen for like two months. <laughs> but I really feel strong about where we're at. And so and the reason I feel so strong about where we're at is because it's like um we always go to the New Testament. We're reading stuff in the New Testament, and this—they're talking. A lot of the the um, disciples are talking to Jewish people, right? And so these Jewish people knew the culture, and they knew the stories, and they knew the Torah, and they knew the writings, and they knew the prophets, and they—they they, on top of that, they had had the rabbis and the sages and, and and the Talmud and all this other stuff, and so they understood the culture. Right? They understood when, when, when they would talk about Melchizedek, they understood that goes back to Abraham, right? When, when they talked about Abraham, they re- remembered that, hey, Abraham had a covenant with God, right? And there was the Abrahamic covenant, right? And then there's the Mosaic covenant. Like you say, a mosaic, not like a picture mosaic, <laughs> but like the Moses covenant, right? With the one that Moses made, right? And so you've got these covenants and you've got these stories and you've got, got all this stuff that leads up to the New Testament and to Jesus. And then we're sitting here looking at this and saying, wow, here's the treasure, right? And so it's really cool as we just think a lot of times, I think we think that, that it's just the New Testament that, that is the treasure, but the treasure is all in here from, from Genesis to Revelation. There, there's treasure in here. And Jesus isn't just the key to unlock it, right? A lot of times we don't realize, well, I'll see Jesus in Matthew or Luke, you know. 
Woohoo! Now that's where the gospel starts. But it's not true. It's not. It's partly true. But it's not true when you can see Jesus in the first letters of Genesis. When, when you can see him in the chapters of Genesis and see how great Jesus is and how smart God is. Uh, like the God's so much smarter than us and so much wiser than us. And he knew. He's like, man, I know they're going to blow it. Right? But I'm going to let them make that choice. I want them to be able to choose me. He's like, I've already chose you. But I want you to have that choice to choose me back. And then I'm not forcing you in, into a relationship. It's like I was watching the show. And it's hilarious, right? But they're trying to make this dude marry someone. It's an arranged marriage, right? And, and, and he walks out and he's like, I ain't marrying her, right? And so, so he's like, that's not, that's not love. That's not what I want. I want a connection, right? And God's like, man, I don't want an arranged marriage. I want you to be able to choose me, right? But he's arranged it where you can have a relationship with him, but you get to choose, Right? He's like, I've already chosen you. I already love you. I've already laid it all out here. I just want you to choose me back. And that's what this whole book is about. And that's why Jesus is the key to the whole book. And if we just go through, through, through the New Testament, seeing Jesus in the New Testament, we're missing like a whole bunch of Jesus and God's heart revealed in the Old Testament. And I don't ever want to want to put myself in a box like that. And so when we get into Genesis and stuff like that, it's so rich. And so there's a treasure in here. And Jesus is the key that unlocks the treasure that we can pull out. And that's pretty cool. But guess what I found out when I started using the key to unlock the treasure? Jesus is a treasure. Isn't that awesome? And so we have these promises and God says, hey, I'm going to give you the key, but I didn't tell you that the key is the treasure. It's a treasure. It's the way to my heart. The Bible says that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And a lot of us don't even look like, yeah, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Wow, how cool. But when they were talking to the Jewish people, in that day, the reason they were trying to kill him is because they understood temple talk. They understand that what they were talking about was the outer courts and the inner courts and the holy of holies. And so they were saying, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is the son of God. He's just not an ordinary man. And so it registered in their hearts and it registered in their minds and it offended some of them because they were so stuck on their religion, Right. Like, like getting around a bunch of cowboys, like I could be really offended sometimes because of the way they talk, right? But I'm not. Like I'll hang out with them and all of a sudden they'll say, you're a preacher? And then they'll try to quit cussing or try it. And I was like, knock it off. I'm not here to pastor you. I'm here to, here to beat you. Actually, I was there to beat myself, you know? And, and so, but we get so hung up on how someone says something that we don't really hear what they're really saying because we're offended at the words they're using, that's religion. Do you guys hear what I'm talking about? But Jesus said, I love you just like you are. And I'll take you just like you are. And I'll love you just like you are. And, and 
I won't change you, but I will unlock the treasure that's in you, that is you. And you'll find out who the real you is. And that's good news. Right? We see, just thinking up here, driving up, the, the Bible says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, a lot of us are like, oh, we're like a building, we're a temple. But like, do we really get what God's saying? Right? Well, how do we get that? Well, we're going to go back and we're going to study the temple. And we're going to find out what happened in the temple and what the temple was about and, and how the temple was. And then we'll realize God's not, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. He's saying we're all waiting for the glory of God to fall down like this. And God's waiting for his glory to come out of us. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're looking for something on the outside and God's trying to bring out the greatness and his spirit that lives inside us. And he says, it's that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Good Lord, I'm going to preach this morning if I don't. Woo! i do a teddy bear, man. Woo! Right? But it's that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives inside us. And that's good news. That means if there's an outer court and an inner court... And a holy of holies, there's a way, there's a truth, and there's a life that lives inside us. And its name is Jesus. That's good news. That gives us hope, right? So as I was, I've been praying, and so sometimes I, I was like, man, I really don't understand why you're putting this on my heart so strong. And then when God started, the Holy Spirit started unveiling this a little more to me, I was like, oh, well, you're far ahead of me. Like, you're way smarter. Thank you, you know? And so sometimes we just got to trust him. Now, if he's like that in my preaching, how about he, he's probably like that in my life, too, right? So everything in here is practical, right? We think, well, it's all woo-woo and this and that, and I like the woo-woo, don't get me wrong. But that woo-woo is practical. It gives us tools and stuff to live as who we really are. This is just a temple. This, this is, someday this is either going to go in the rapture or, or it's going to go away, right? But in Christ, there's part of me, my spirit, my soul. It's going to live forever. So I am really a spirit being. This is my house, although I love my house. It's pretty cool house, you know. God done me right. I'm like, whew, thank you, Jesus, right? But um, but it's not me. It's not who I am. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. And I have a future that's beyond what we can see. You guys hear what I'm talking about? So we can connect with God on that level, the Bible says that God is a spirit, and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth, right? Our spirit is alive, and we have that opportunity. Now, in Genesis 14, chapter 17, and you're like, he's preaching the same message as he preached last week. Kind of, no, actually not. I'm just going to use the same scripture. Like, how can you do that? It was like, it just means one thing. You know what? The Bible is so 
multidimensional. Like in one or two passages, you can see so much and it just explodes, right? There's no end to it. Like I can be preaching and I have the greatest message and I could walk up to someone afterwards and I'd say, what did you think about this? And they'd tell me something totally different and that they're really blessed by it. And I'm like, I wasn't what I was preaching about at all. <laughs> right? Or it can really stink. And I can be up here thinking, man, that was the worst thing. And then people come up and say, that's the greatest message I've ever heard. And I was like, well, what did I say? And they'll tell me. And I was like, I did not say that. <laughs> Why? Because the Bible is alive. It's the rhema word of God. And he will minister to you right where you are because he's that good Isn't that good news so now it says after abram returned from defeating kedor laomar and they, i sound that like oki saying that didn't i like a cowboy huh that's funny and the kings allied with him the king of sodom came out to meet with him in the valley of shava that is the king's valley then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out the bread and the wine. He was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, El Elyon, creator of the heavens and earth, and blessed be God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, here's Melchizedek. Melchizedek means he's the king of righteousness, right? Melech, Sadak, right? <clears throat> um, a lot of the Jewish people ha have a box. It's called, called, called uh, as a, um, a box of righteousness, right? And they give it, like they'll put, it, put charity stuff in it, and the kids will pick out a certain family that they want to bless every week. And it... And it, and it it's called a box of righteousness, a, a sadaka box. Or depends on how, how you pronounce it. Some people pronounce it different, right? But it's so cool when you see that. But um, here, here he is. He's the king of righteousness. And he's the king of peace, right? So he's the king of all this stuff, right? And then he brings the bread and the white. Now we go to Hebrews... And you see Jesus coming, right? Now, now, there's the priesthood that comes through Aaron, right? Now, Aaron was Moses' brother, and God instituted the priesthood, right? But then here's Jesus, and Jesus is not in the lineage of Aaron, although he is in the lineage of David. So he's in the king lineage, but he's not in the priest lineage. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? So in order to go into the temple to sacrifice, you had to be from that lineage of Aaron, right? So the high priest was from the lineage of Aaron, right? The people who served in it were from the lineage of Aaron. And then outside the, the Cohens or, or the priest, you had the Levites. And the Levites would serve around that. And they were from the tribe of Levi, which was the tribe that Aaron come from. But they weren't from the, um, <clears throat> but they weren't, from the seed of Aaron, right? Now, here comes Jesus, right? And Jesus becomes our high priest. Now, watch this. Jesus is the king of righteousness, and he's the king of peace. But, 
But in Hebrews, it says that Jesus was come in the order of Melchizedek. Wait a second. What, what does that have to do anything? See, because before Moses was, before Aaron was, there, there, there was this dude named Abraham, right? In fact, if there wasn't Abraham, there wouldn't be an Aaron and a Moses. There wouldn't be all this other stuff. In fact, there wouldn't, I mean, he could have birthed Jesus out of someone else, I mean, if he wanted to, right? But, but there wasn't any of those people. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? So God says, you know what? I'm going to go all the way back. I'm going to go all the way back even before the Abrahamic covenant, right? Because this is like, right, coming up next, we're going to talk about covenant. And we're going to talk about the covenant of Abraham. But God already made a promise in, in, in chapter 12, verse 2, two for 3, verse 2 for 3, not, not 2 through 3 where he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who curse you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And he made a covenant with him, right? But he didn't cut the covenant right away. Okay, <clears throat> so here, here, here's Jesus. It says he is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. What does that mean? He's a priest of righteousness, and he's a priest of peace. In fact, the Bible says he's our peace that breaks down every wall. That's pretty good news, right? So that means he's like he's broken down every wall, and, and he's made a way, right? But he's also the one that brings our completeness, right? He's the one that brings our righteousness, right? And he says this, and he says, when we accept Jesus, not only that, when it says that God has made us to be kings and priests and prophets. Do you hear what we're talking about? When we get that promise, that promise goes all the way back to Melchizedek and to the promise and the priesthood that Jesus holds in the order of Melchizedek. Isn't that cool? It's funny how this book almost ties together. Right? And so here Jesus, he said, says, you're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. He said, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You know what he's saying? You have an authority of kingship. You have an authority of priesthood. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's nothing common about you. And he says... It's better that I go away because greater works can you do. You know what he was saying? He's like, because my, my kingdom, my kingship, my, my priesthood will flow through you. And then it'll reach more people than you could have ever reached. Isn't that cool? And so you can see Melchizedek all through um, you can see the righteousness, and you can see, um, you can see the um, peace. In fact, it says, it says that he made us to be uh, king, priest, and prophets. And then it says a royal priesthood, right? But he says, you were once not a people, and now you are. You know what he's saying? You know what? Uh, uh, um, the Jewish people themselves at one time were not a people. 
Right? Abram, Abram was the first Jewish person. Right? There, there wasn't no Jewish people. He come out of somewhere else. God called him out. He literally, it's like, like a type and shadow of who we are in Jesus. Like he was one person and then God changed him. He changed his heart and he changed his mind and he brought him out. And Abram became Abraham and became a new creation. His old life had passed away. All those old gods that his family used to worship, all those old ways that they used to have died and he became a new man. And that's who we are in Christ Jesus. So, it says we weren't, once we're not a people, but now we are. Now back to Melchizedek. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought the bread and the wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he was blessed, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, El Elyon, creator of heaven and earth. And, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Now we see, see the priests in the order of Melchizedek. Some people think it's Jesus. Some people think it's a type and shadow of Jesus. Whichever you think, it represents Jesus. Right? And here he is. He's bringing the first communion. Isn't that cool? Like, well, where is communion? Let's go to Corinthians and read the communion. And it's like, nope, you can start here, and then you can go to Exodus, and then you can go, right? It's the first communion, Jesus bringing this. But something happened in Abram that was so out of this world, that was so crazy that it just changed his entire life because he used to be, you know, a little bit worried. Oh, my God, they're going to kill me. So guess what? I'm going to give you my life. Here you go. Right? And now he's standing up and something's changed in him because he's out of victory, right, man? Instead of just giving up, he's fighting, man. He's taking back what's his and then he gets back what's his and he says, I don't need your stuff. I don't need your promotions. I don't need your help. I don't need your provision or your favor. I've got God most high that's here and he's showing up in my life and I can count on him. And so here, <laughs> I love this. Because Abram said, I'm going to believe in someone bigger and better than me. And so he, do you know what he does? He turns them down. says, no, I, I, I won't accept it. It says right here, you're like, well, prove it to me, Pastor. I'm glad you guys are talking to me like that. <laughs> I love that. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, creator of the heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. He knew who his provider was. He knew who his source was. Was And he knew it was the source who created the heavens and the earth and the moon and the stars. And he had, had Abram looking up and saying, as many as the stars are in the sky, so will your seed be. And as a sand, man, it wouldn't be good if you're out in the meadow grassy fields of Kentucky. You're like, well, that's a bad promise. <laughs> right? But when you're where he was, 
Woohoo, you hit the jackpot. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because all he could see was sand everywhere he went. If he was looking down and having a bad day, he could look down and he could see God's promises. Or it'd be at night and he'd be laying there a bad thing. Oh, I wonder if God forgot me. And then he'd just look up at the stars. It's like, whoa, that's how big my God is. And at some point, it got from outside of Abram as an ideal to inside of who he really was. And you can start seeing it change his life, not just change his life, but literally God's promise coming to pass in his life. And that's what God's doing in our lives. God's given you promises. If God's given you a promise, how many people's ever had a promise from God? Or is it just me? All of us, right? Remember those promises because he's not forgot his promises. You know what I do? I write them down. And then I think about them. That's what, that's what Abram did. And I was like, yes, God, you're my provider. You're the one. And I'm like, thank you for this, right? Thank you that you've done this, right? Because I'm already somewhere in the future. I'm already in the promise. Abram was in the promise the moment that God promised it to him. The moment God says that you can have it, it's yours. If I say, hey, I bought you a, a new Lamborghini. You just got to drive to California and you can pick it up next month. When is it yours? Right now, right? It's already yours, right? So you get to go pick it up and you get to enjoy the journey. Thanking God, thanking, thanking someone. Hey, I got this new Lamborghini, right? I got it. Well, I'm not going to get it. I got it because God said I have it. That's why it says we're righteous. Our righteousness is not something we earn. Our righteousness is a gift from God. It's something we have. So when he says you're righteous, you may not feel righteous. You may not be acting righteous, but it's not your righteousness. You already got it. He, it's a gift from God. And so I thank him. Thank you, Father, that I'm righteous in you. I thank you, Father, that I have peace in you because you promised me that. And you're only as good as your word. And I tell you, he can't lie. And that's good news. Amen? So Abram changed. He literally changed. He says, says, so you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. And then I love this in chapter 15, because it says this, And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Now, watch this. What God's doing is he's saying to Abram, he's talking to him in covenant talk, right? That was the language of the day. Like, like that's how they would do it. They would cut a covenant, right? And so what they would do is they would take animals and they would cut them in half and they'd split them apart and they would lay them down, right? And then they would walk in between them and they would say, if I don't keep my word, you can do this to me. It's a blood covenant, right? 
And so they, they would walk in between it and they'd say, whatever I have is yours. And whoever's your enemy is now my enemy. And they would become one. Right? It's kind of a, a picture of a marriage covenant too. Right? And so it, it's two, two different um, people or, or beings coming together. Right? Isn't that cool? And so here, here the, these guys would walk in there and they'd make this covenant. And so if an army was coming up and they come and attacked you, what, what, what it was saying was, if you attack my brother, you attack me. Right? Or if your brother had a, or, or your covenant partner had a big crop loss and, was, and yours made it through, right? Is saying, you, you could come to them anytime and say, hey, I need help. I need this. I need that. And they'd say, whatever I have is yours. And so God's literally made a covenant here with Abraham. Isn't that crazy? He's saying, Abraham, I'm your shield. What he's saying is, whoever comes against you comes against me. That's why he says in Genesis 2 and 3, he says, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And God is an eternal being that cannot lie. And that covenant promise is in force today. Guess what? You're grafted into Abraham. You're Abraham's seed. So that promise comes to you too. Isn't that good news? Man, I love it. So, so here he's saying, Abraham, I'm your shield. I'm your exceedingly great reward. He's saying, I will fight for you. I will battle for you. And we can see those promises coming to life in Israel to this very day. We've seen, seen them as they become a nation again, as God promised in His Word. As they become a nation again and all hell broke loose and come against them, God defended them. God took care of them. There's places where, where they had no hope of winning and God gave them the victory and God put them in the place where they're supposed to be. I know that's not politically correct, but I don't care. It's the truth. A lot of what I'm going to preach is not politically correct. But I'd rather be biblically correct. Do you hear what I'm saying? God gave them the victory, and He still gives us the victory because of His promise. You're grafted in because of the blood of Jesus to these promises. That's why it's so important for us to know this. That's why it's so important for us to unlock the treasures that are in this book. Right? So he says, I'll be your shield. I'll go to battle for you and I'll fight with you. And I'll make a way for you. No wonder it says, in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Where does that come from? It all goes back. To a covenant. We can see it in Abraham's life. Isn't that cool? So he says, in all things I'll work for the good. But he's like, everything that I have is yours. 
He says when he, when he says in the New Testament that he's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, he's serious. Why? Because we're not locked into what we can do. We're connected to what he has. And the Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he even owns the cattle, he owns the grass, he owns everything. Right? And he don't even have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> right? That he says, all that I have is yours. I'm a God of abundance. I'm a God of provision. I'm a God of healing and wholeness. And I'm a God of peace. A peace that passes understanding, meaning that all hell can be breaking loose, but you have a peace because you know, I have a promise from God. I am, I am legally right to take anything I need from him. And I have a legal right for his protection and his provision. Now that changes our mindset. Right Then we go from asking God, oh, would you please help me? Now we're saying, Father, I have a covenant with you. But here's the thing. It's a two-way covenant. Right? And here's what Abraham did. When, when he said, I give you a tenth, what he was doing, he was doing it in covenant. He wasn't saying this is a 10%. He's saying, I give you everything I am everything I own, everything I have. And I ain't talking about money. I'm talking about your heart. A lot of us want a covenant with God. One is provision, one is peace, but we don't want to give him anything back. And the one thing that he wants isn't your money. It isn't, isn't any of that stuff. He wants your heart. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to say, hey, here's me. Here's all of me. And I'll give you as much as I can right now. And he's like, if you can give me one teeny nth of a percent, just come to me. I will empower you to live it out. And that's the good news of the gospel. He's like, you, you, you're like, there's no way I can give him everything. And that's because you're stuck in religion. You'll never earn your way to God or his blessing. It's a free gift. And all he asks is that you believe in him. And trust Him with your life. Why? Because He's got everything that we're ever going to need. The Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. And religion can snuff that stuff out. Right? Well, God don't want to bless you. God don't want to do this. God already gave us His best. In Jesus, how much more? It's not my words. It's his words. Trust him. There's desires he's put in your heart. You say, well, that's impossible. I can't do it. That's God. He's not going to... I'm looking now at stuff that, like, if there's stuff that God calls me to that, that it's possible, I'm disappointed. I'm like, it's just the pizza from last night. <laughs> right? Because there, there's nothing I can do on my own. But in Him, we can accomplish anything if we'll just trust Him. Amen?
So here he here says, But Abram, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. So here he's discouraged. He already knows God's his blesser. He already knows God's his provider. But he's discouraged. He's already given him the promise over here in Genesis chapter chapter two, twelve verse chapter twelve verse two and three. Right? He he says, says, I will give you heirs. I will give you land, and I will bless you. He already told him that. And he told him that before, but now he gets discouraged. What happens when we get discouraged? What happens when it doesn't look like what God said? And we're like, oh, well, you just don't have enough faith. It's not about your faith. It's about his faith. You can be discouraged. I've been discouraged and thought there was no hope, and God come through for me anyway. Because he's that good. Because he loves me that much. So here, here he's discouraged, and he forgot that promise. So God says, you know what? I'm going to reinforce it. So he reminded him with the covenant, which will be continued next week. Because <laughs> I run out of time. You're like, oh, goody, we're almost through that chapter. We got three verses. Go, Pastor James. All right? You're out there. Maybe you're running from God. Maybe it's not God you're running from. Maybe it's yourself. Or maybe it's just religion. But I want to tell you something. God loves you so much. He's like, forget about religion. Just come to me just like you are. All I want you to do is just surrender and say, hey, you're you're my shield and my great reward. I don't have nothing to give you but me. He's like, that's more than enough. So we can just, every eye closed. Father, thank you. I just thank you that that you're with us and you're out there. You can just say this, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I give you myself just as I am. I thank you that you've forgiven me my sins and that you're now Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www dot silverlakebaptist dot o r g